0: These two uh, places right here uh, today, Mark chapter 5, um, we're going to read, let's just read down the verse 6, and so if you will, just help me read the even verses, 2, 4, and 6, uh, and we'll read those together, and I'll read verses 1, 3, and 5. And they came over unto the other side of the sea, into the country of the Gadarenes, And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit, who had his dwelling among the tombs. And no man could bind him, no not with chains. Because it had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. And always night and day he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones but when he saw Jesus afar off he ran and worshiped him guess what the title of my message is this morning it's the value of one father we love you and mercy lord we're thankful for how good you are to us and uh lord we're uh, we're grateful today that uh we have a home in heaven for all of eternity because of your love, your grace, and your compassion. And I pray, God, that you would use me today. Lord, I just really want to deliver my heart, and I pray that you're the one who moves it and speaks through me this morning. And I pray that you'll minister to our congregation. And if we leave here today and our focus is on your goodness and greatness and all that you have done for us, and if we leave here today recognizing, Lord, that that everywhere we go there are people that matter to you. If we, if we do that, then God, this was an incredible service today. So I pray, Lord, that you'll move our hearts closer to yours. Knit us with yourself and minister to us. Thank you for the wonderful singing and the ministry of music in our life. And bless us now as we get in the preaching of your word. We ask this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Years and years ago, there was an old preacher pastoring a little church. The church seemed to be struggling a little bit, and that led to one of the pastor's deacons who showed up to church early one day. And when he approached the preacher, he had a very resolute expression upon his face. And he said to the old preacher, he says, I came early to meet you. He said, I have something that is on my conscience to say to you. And he just got to the point. He says, Pastor... There must be something radically wrong in your preaching. Because there has only been one person added to the church in an entire year. And that one person is just a little boy. Well, the old minister listened. As he heard those words, you can imagine it was crushing. It was piercing. The the truth be told, Larry... The deacon wasn't telling him something that he didn't feel in his own spirit. He was struggling with it himself. And he says, I I feel it, but God knows that I have tried the very best that I can to do my duty. And I can trust him for the results. And the deacon said, yes, yes, but... Doesn't the Bible say that by their fruits you shall know them? And one new member, and that one new member just being a little boy, seems to me rather a slight evidence of true faith and zeal. He says, I don't want to be hard, but I have this matter on my conscience, and I have done but my responsibility in speaking to you plainly. And the old preacher said, well that's true, but charity suffereth long and is kind, it beareth all things, it believeth in all things, it hopeth all things. He says, there you have it, hopeth all things. I have great hopes of that one boy whose name is Robert, he says, some seed that That we sow bears fruit late, but that fruit is generally the most precious of all. Well, Following their conversation, of course, the service takes place, and the old man mounts the pulpit, and he preaches that day, and he preaches with a grieved and heavy heart. And when the service came to a close, he did so with very dim and tearful eyes, and he did the best he could to greet everyone as they left that day. And when everyone had left, he just came back into the auditorium and he took a seat and he began to cry to God. With very tearful and heartfelt words, he prayed. Well, little did he know it that there was one person that was still there, one person who came back into the auditorium for something. And It was that little boy. He watched the trembling old man. He listened to him pray. He listened. He listened with as the old man had broken voice, and his heart was obviously filled with emotion and tears and grief. When the preacher had finished praying, he walked up to him. And he said something to his pastor. His pastor turned around and he said, Well, hey, Robert, I didn't know you were here. And Robert said, Pastor, do you think if I were willing to work hard for an education, he says, Do you think that I could ever become a preacher? Pastor says, A preacher. He says, yes, sir, perhaps a missionary. Do you think that God could one day use me to be a missionary? And the pastor said, yes, son. God can use anybody that he wants to use. With a long pause and tears filled in the old preacher's eyes, he said, He says, Robert, this heals the ache in my heart because I can see the divine hand now. He says, may God bless you, my boy, and may God use you to do great things. Many, many years later, they returned to London from Africa, an aged missionary. His name was spoken with reverence every time it was mentioned. And when he went into an assembly, the people stood to their feet. And when he spoke in public, there was a deep silence because everyone wanted to hear what this preacher had to say. Nobles invited in their homes. And he had brought under the gospel influence the most Savage of African chiefs, and he had given the translated Bible to strange tribes. That one boy eventually turned a continent upside down. His name was Robert Moffat. Robert Moffat would eventually have an influence on a man by the name of David Livingstone. One preacher was discouraged and heartbroken. And he was reminded of that by a member of his congregation. And on that particular day, that preacher was ready to say, I'm done. He was ready to say, God, just send me to the grave. I've done my course and I haven't done it very well putting me in the cemetery right outside the church under that oak tree. And while some may say there was only one, Andrew, God can do great things with just one. I want you to look back in Mark chapter 4. To me, this is one of the most powerful passages of Scripture in the Bible. In Mark chapter 4, Jesus and his disciples are, have gotten in the boat and they're going to the other side. In verse number 35, it says, In the same day when the even was come, Jesus saith unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him, even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat in the ship, so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And Jesus arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said, One to another, what manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Everything is going to be okay if Jesus is in your boat. And if Jesus says, let's go to the other side, I don't know how, but eventually we're going to get to the other side. But I'll be honest with anyone, if I'm in a boat and the waves get to pouring into the boat so that it you feel like you're about to go down, I'm going to get a little afraid as well. I'm going to be scared. And the disciples went down there and they went to the boat, and there's Jesus. Jesus is asleep. Can you picture Jesus snoring? He's sound asleep. And how many times in your life have you been afraid and worried about life? It's suddenly become too much for you. And you're looking and there's problems and there's problems and there's problems. And you feel like I'm so overwhelmed. Jesus, we're about to go under. We're going to go down. Help me. Jesus doesn't say a word. He just gets up and... He just, looks at the, he just looks at the water. I mean, Jesus is wet too. And he just looks at the water and he looks at the wind and he just says the words, peace be still, because he can. And everything calms and settles down and the disciples are looking at him like, who is this man? How can the, how can the sea and the, and the wind and the waves obey him? Who is he? And to me, Jesus is teaching a great lesson here that extends over into chapter number five. Because when they get to the other side, they're in the, the gatherings. And when Jesus came out of the ship in verse number two, immediately there's an individual who comes running his way. And the Bible describes this individual running toward him. He was a man who lived in the tombs. And he was a man with an unclean spirit. I say that anybody who lives in a cemetery has got to be a little crazy. When I was a young boy, we used to go over to Honeycomb Campground in uh, the Lake Gunnersville area, and uh, we would camp, and that would a lot of times be our vacation, and we were on the back side of the campground, and it was a day and time where you could ride in the back of your daddy's pickup truck and not get in trouble for it. And we, My dad had put, he had a bench seat out of a car, and he stuck it in the back of the pickup truck, and we just sat in the... Back of that pickup truck. We were riding through that campground, and I happened to be back there by myself one day, and there was this guy who came running toward the pickup truck screaming with blood running down his face. I'm young. I'm, I don't know, six, seven, eight years old. Here comes this guy screaming, running toward our pickup truck with blood on his face. And it turns out he had gotten in an argument with somebody that he was camping with, and the guy took a hatchet. And I'm in the back of that truck by myself, and I see this guy, and I'm scared to death. I'm like, Dad, go faster. Go faster. It's a serious... Every time I read Mark chapter 5, I see that guy. I see his blood. I see his face. I see the the crazed look on his face. Here comes this guy out of the cemetery. Crazed look on his face. You'll see in just a moment blood running down his arms. This individual that when you see him, you you go a different direction. And you've seen him. If you go to the Decatur Walmart, you've seen him. You've seen him. He had his dwelling among the tombs. People had tried to calm him. People had tried to bind him. They had done everything they could to get this man settled down and get him in you know, organized society. They had done what they could, their means, to straighten this young man's life out. It says in verse 4 that he had often been bound with fetters and chains and the chains had been plucked asunder by him and the fetters broken in pieces. Neither could any man tame him. Man had done everything that they could to rehabilitate this individual and nothing would work. Nothing would work. When he saw Jesus... Or are looking verse 5, night and day, the Bible says that he was in the mountains and the tombs crying and cutting himself with stones. He didn't have a razor, he didn't have a pocket knife, he took sharp stones and he would take it on his flesh and he would cut his flesh. And people still do that day in order that they may feel something, they may feel pain, they may feel emotion just cutting on his flesh. And here he comes running to Jesus crying, weeping. Unclean spirit, with hardly any clothes on, running to Jesus, blood pouring. The Bible says that he ran to him in verse 6, and he he worshipped him. And in verse 7, he cried with a loud voice, and he said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of the Most High God? I adjure thee by God, that thou torment me not. I'd shared a couple of weeks, Wednesday nights ago, about an individual that my wife had met at, uh, met at uh, our fall fun night. an individual who came dressed as a wicked wizard, an individual who said that he believed in many, many gods. An individual that when she said, my husband is the pastor, let me go get him, was scared to death when she mentioned that because he didn't want the preacher to come. An individual who is scared to death of hell and scared to death of our God. An individual that doesn't want to be tormented. An individual that doesn't want to be eternally separated from God. An individual who was scared of the gospel and scared of the truth. And truth be told, part of that is because many, many believers had been very harsh in the way that they ministered to him. Jesus shows up and this guy who's got this legion of demons within his body's devil possessed, and he's really speaking possessed, comes running to Jesus and he says, What do you have to do with me, Jesus? Why are you here? Why is Jesus on my shore? Why has Jesus come to me? He says, Don't, don't torment me before the time. I may have to deal with hell later, but don't torment me now. Let's read on. For he said unto him, Jesus had said unto him in verse 8, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. And he asked him, What is thy name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. That's a demon-possessed man with a number of personalities. And he besought him much, in verse 10, that he would not send them away out of the country. Don't send us out of the country, the demon speaking. In verse 11, Now there was there nigh unto the mountains a great herd of swine feeding, and all the devils besought him, saying, Send us into the swine that we may enter into them and forthwith Jesus gave them leave and the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine and the herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea they were about two thousand and were choked in the sea and they that fed the swine fled and told it in the city and the country and they went out to see what it was that was done And they come to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion. They see him sitting there and clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid because of it. The onlookers, the one who were taking care of the pigs, they were... They, they ran back into town and they, they told people, listen, this is what just happened. You won't believe what we just saw. We just witnessed Jesus' encounter with that guy that we have seen, that guy that lives in the cemetery, that guy runs around naked all the time. We have seen him, the one that we're trying to keep away from our families, the one that we want to get out of town, out of town. We don't want him here we just saw an encounter with him and Jesus, and we don't understand it. We don't know what happened, but all of a sudden, our pigs went crazy. They went, they went nuts, and they go running out of this place. And, and, I mean, we lost them all. We just lost them all. They just went right off the cliff. They're gone. They're done. And everybody hears that. They're interested. And so they come, and here, when they walk in, when they walk in, Here's this guy that they can barely recognize. A guy who was sitting still. He had never been able to sit still before. But now he's sitting still. He's got clothes on. And when you talk to him, he makes sense. He's in his right mind. Now, most churches try to do everything backwards. We want, to, we, want, we want you to look right. We want you to sit still. We want, you to, we want you to behave appropriately. And if you can do those things, then we'll give you Jesus. Hello? That's the truth. My belief... Is if we're going to change the world, we're going to change the world with Jesus. Not change the world to my preferences and my personal convictions. Hello? Government's not going to change our world. But Jesus can. And our, world's, our world is going the other direction because we're not giving people Jesus. Hello? He's sitting there, and he's clothed in his right mind. When people saw that, that scared them out of their mind. It terrified them. Because we have tried everything and nobody. James, can I use you as an example? There he is right there. We've tried everything, and nobody could change him. But there he is. Look at him. What a blessing. And everybody who once knew him say, what got into you? What happened to you? And everybody who never wanted anything to do with you before can't explain the change in your life. You remember we've been going through Acts. I mean, Saul Saul of Tarsus had a sharp mind, but he persecuted Christians and had them killed. And when he got saved, nobody would believe it. Remember, the church wouldn't believe it. We don't want you in our church. We don't believe you. We don't believe you're changed. That's the church. Here's a bunch of lost people saying, we don't don't understand it. And they look at Jesus They say, well, Jesus did that. Well, this is what we want. We want Jesus out of this place. Y'all see that? We want Jesus out of here. In Acts chapter 4, that that lame man who was suddenly healed and he's now walking around, he's leaping, he's praising God and everybody comes together and Peter preaches and 5,000 men get saved and a bunch of Pharisees come together and they say, hey, Peter, we don't want you. We can't argue what happened to that guy, but we don't want you telling people about Jesus. That stuff scares us. We're afraid of that stuff. Don't tell people about Jesus. Watch what happens. Verse number 16, And they that saw it told them how it befell to him that was possessed with the devil, and also concerning the swine. And they began to pray him to depart out of their coast. They began to pray and beg God to remove Jesus from their land. And so Jesus goes on his way. In verse 18, when he came to the ship, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. In other words, he's saying, hey, Jesus, can I go with you? Don't leave me here. Can I go with you? But that wasn't, that wasn't God's will for this man. Instead, in verse 19, it says, Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, Go home to thy friends. Go back home. And tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee, and hath had compassion on thee. And he departed and began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him. And all men did marvel. If you don't want Jesus in your life, if you don't want him in your home, if you don't want him in your workplace, if you don't want Jesus in your church, Jesus will leave. He's just getting back in that ship. And that guy that's just healed, he recognized Jesus just changed my life. Jesus, please, can I go back with you? Can I go with you? Can I learn from you? Can I He looks at those disciples who's sitting at the feet of Jesus? Can I sit at your feet? Can I follow you wherever you go? And that was the will for those twelve men. But for this one guy, he says, No, I want you to stay here. I want you to stay here. I want you to go. I want you to go back to your home. And I want you to find your friends. And I want you to tell them what I did for you. He didn't have a King James Bible in his hand, B.J. He didn't know anything about the Romans road. He couldn't share the gospel of salvation. He couldn't share the gospel with anybody. He didn't know anything about that. What he didn't know, Morgan, he knew what Jesus had done in his life. And if Jesus could do that for him, why couldn't Jesus do that for somebody else? It's an illustrated story. It's not Bible. Therefore, I can't say that it is true. But I once heard a preacher deliver this illustration. One day, there was a mom and two children. They're sitting in their home. And one of the kids are playing. They're playing outside. And they see a figure come over the hillside walking down the road. And the kids are watching that figure. And they look at one another and they say, That looks like daddy. And so they run inside, and they go tell Mom, Mama, Daddy's coming. Daddy's down the road. And and she goes to the door, and she looks out there, and sure enough, that does look like him. And she quickly gets the kids into the house, and she locks the door shut. And it's not very long, there's a knock at the door. And she tells the kids to be quiet. And they said, why? It's daddy. Why? We gotta be quiet. She says, shh. He he knocks on the door again. And he says, Mary. Mary, this is your husband. Mary, I know that I've been very bad to you and to the kids. I know that I have hurt you. And I know that I've been a terrible husband and a terrible father. And I'm very sorry for that. But I met this man named Jesus. Mary, he's changed my life. And I don't know, I can't tell you everything that he's done and how he did it, but I know this. He's taken taken all of the hurt and all of the stuff that was in here and all of the stuff that was in here and was causing me to act so wild and crazy and hurtful to everybody I love. He's taken all of that away and he's put a love in my heart. And he sent me back home to tell everyone that I know the change that Jesus has made. And Mary goes to that door and she unlocks it and she cracks it open. And sure enough, that is her husband, but he does not look the way he looked when he left. And she opens that door and that man hugs him, her with everything that he has and he kneels down to those children and tears pouring down their face and his face they embrace and they say daddy we're so glad you're We started in chapter 4 because Jesus always intended to go to the gatherings. and he had 12 men in a boat with him that went through fear went through high water went through a moment where they didn't know they were going to make it they went through a storm All because Jesus, being who he is, knows there's a wild man on the other side who needs his life changed. And he ministers to that one guy. And everybody else says, We don't want anything to do with you. We want you out of here. Leave. Get away. Go somewhere else. We don't want your Jesus. We don't don't want what you have done. We're afraid of it. We're scared of it. We don't want it. Leave. And Jesus left. Now, is he God? Yeah. Can he read hearts? Can he read minds? Does he know what's going on? As we read the Bible, we know he can. Right? Right? And if that's true, then he knew what was going to happen He knew what was going to happen when it got, he got there. But he went through all that landing because there's value in one individual, one individual. And if, I gotta, if he's going to go through all of that because one person is important, then one person should always be important to us. That's the value of one. And if one person, when he went to that cross and was nailed on that cross for the, for, the, for the atonement of the sins of the world, and only one person came to him, I believe with all my heart that was completely worth it for him. One person. And so, whenever I see someone who people say could never be saved, I think of that guy right there. That guy mattered to Jesus. Why can't that guy matter to me? Amen. if Jesus could transform his life so that he goes back home a new man, a new husband, a new father. We've got to give the world Jesus Christ. Let's bow our heads.